Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. Today we are speaking with the author of a book of, called When Did You Die? And we're not talking about dying you know, physically but we're talking about when did you stop living? A subject that we're going to be talking about today. So please uh, help me to uh, welcome my guest Temple Hayes. How are you Temple? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much, and and thank you for what you're doing uh, to play your part in changing the world and being part of the change. Thank you, Temple. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. So, um, I mean, before we get into the book and the amazing subject we're going to talk about today, why don't we start a little bit with your background and your story and how you got to this point of writing this amazing book. Well, I um, grew up in a very small town, and not only was it small as far as size, but it was small as far as mindedness. I mean, the people were friendly and, you know, all those kind of things, but they weren't people that were known to want to be trailblazers, that's for sure, and no one was really thinking about being original. And I was born somewhat of a mystic. I always asked questions and wanted to know why we believed a certain way and why we did things a certain way. I was brought up in a very deep-rooted Southern Baptist environment. And, you know, times were different in the 60s because you didn't have access to Internet. You couldn't Google, you know, find people like me and, um, you know, work it out. You only were uh, exposed to people that you saw or people that either mirrored you or, or didn't reflect you, you know. So from the very beginning, I realized I was very different or at least the only one talking about being different. I could see energy. I could read auras. And more importantly, I had a sense about being able to read when people weren't uh, living in truth. Not that they were intentionally telling a lie, but I don't think sometimes they even knew, you know, how incongruent they were. And I was just tagged very different. If they say that you choose, you know, as a soul, if you choose where, you know, you're born or what you're born into, then I did a great job. <laughs> because I chose the opportunity, obviously, to work through a lot of things. Um, so I would grow up to be able to relate to a lot of people. Yeah, it's interesting how that happens, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really is. <laughs> so, um, so what was the motivation behind writing the book? Well, the the book itself is is been really the reason I feel I was born. Um, I talk about the whole message of my life. Not that the book is all about me, but I certainly draw from uh, things I've learned, processes that I've learned that have helped me grow from a person that started out in life uh, rejecting myself, um, alcoholism, a lot of different things, to becoming a more assertive and energetic person. So I give actual processes that people can use that will help them transcend to wherever they are to a greater place of wisdom, of clarity, of purpose, and more importantly that they'll have energy in their bodies and we could sure use a lot more of that in our in our culture now yeah absolutely so um so when uh, so i love the title of the book when did you when did you start dying um so what's your definition of someone who's living a life that's not that it's it's kind of like they it's like they're dying and not really living well i think on on 
either subtle or profound levels that most people are in one way or another. And I wanted the book to be a shocking title because it's really meant to offer a paradigm shift. Uh, in other words, in our society, we'll do just about anything to not deal with the word death. And, of course, in that way, I'm talking about physically. You know, people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to tell their children and family, you know, how they want to be uh, dealt with when they die. It's almost like if I don't talk about it, it'll never happen. I think that a lot of people still believe that we'll discover a magic pill and none of us will, you know, have to die. Um, but yet that death, the physical death, is natural. And what I wanted to address are all the unnatural ways that energetically we die uh, throughout our lives. And it could be as subtle as not speaking out when you feel called to do so. It could be as pronounced as being in a marriage that you're, you're not really in, not being real or authentic you know, with your children, uh, having a job that is just over broke, J-O-B, just over broke, but is breaking you and your spirit. Um, it's many of those kind of things that every day that people either get further into their lives or further away from them, depending on the choices that they're making. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are watching this show that are going, yep, that's me, and they put their hand up. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, there was times in my life where I was in exactly the same situation. So what are some of the things they can do to help them step out of this and start to live more energetically and be aligned with who they are? Well, I think the first step is just to uh, make a decision to start where you are. And that's the best any of us can do is start today, start right now with wanting something different. And in order for me to have different, I must be willing to be different, you know, because it's like that old axiom says, if I keep doing what I've always been doing, obviously I'm going to keep getting what I've always got. And so when we look at it from that place, one of the things that I talk about is that we've become so robotic you know, we're early trained early on in our lives to listen to the, what the doctor says as the one way, the preacher, uh, the news. And we're so influenced by everything and everyone around us that often we no longer listen to ourselves. And so I liken it metaphorically to like our navigation system now in our car. If you get into your navigation system and you put in where you want to arrive to, this is where I want to be, you know, once I reach my destination. Well, when you put that address in and that's where you want to arrive to, it's essential to listen and do what the navigation system asks us to do, right? And I'm sure you've had the experience because I have. I'll get in the car with someone that they have a navigation system and they'll enter everything in, but they don't want to listen to it. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, if you're going to hold it accountable uh, for the results and getting you where you want to get, where you want to arrive to, then you need to listen. You can't blame something if you're not listening to it. And I think that's kind of as a culture where a lot of people are today, that they aren't listening. They say they want their dreams to come true. They want to be happy. They want to be successful, 
but they're, they're no longer listening to the direction that they're receiving of what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to go. And they get upset with things outside of themselves and blame other people, circumstances, or their higher power, whatever they call the higher power, when really they're not listening to what needs to be addressed. Yeah, it's very interesting. I was having a, I had dinner with a friend last night and we were talking about this specific uh, subject. And uh, what was interesting is that, you know, I realized that once you get into um, in an energy of blame, where you're blaming things outside of you, that's the time when you need to start to look inside. Because, you know, it, like I've often said, we always have a movie playing in our mind. But normally the movie is of past failures and why things aren't going right and who's to blame and why we aren't successful. Um, and the thing is, the more that we stay in that picture, in that movie, we can never move into the movie of the life that we really do want to live. That's so true. It, it, it's spot on, really. Um, I like to use, and you'll like this, when I, when I blame, I do not claim. It, it really is that, that simple. And, and for me, um, and that's why I wanted to be mindful of writing the book that I, I didn't want it to be just all the bad things that happened to me, you know, when I was a kid. Um, but just to say that, that I have worked with processes that have really helped transform my life. And what I needed to do is I needed to move from just my birth story and the people that I, you know, was birthed and born around and growing up with to look at how it was my creation story because those experiences, so I, I looked at my life over 30 plus years or a few more, and I wrote down all the events or the things that had occurred in my life on little sheets of paper, little three by three sheets of paper, and I wrote each event down individually of what I perceived as something that had happened to me that was either tragic or I deemed it unnecessary or, you know, whatever. And then I went back and I looked at each of those and I looked at it from the perspective of how has it defined me and how has it shaped me. And I had a whole different reality with all the things that had happened. And once I looked at it from that way and that set of eyes, what occurred to me is that I wouldn't have wanted any of them not to occur because they had created a broader sense of self the ability to be more uh, multidimensional, the ability to understand where people are in, with a place of compassion because I've had similar experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I think if we hadn't gone through the journey that we have, we wouldn't be the teachers or the, the leaders that we are, which, you know, and it all contributes. Everything is like this little piece of the puzzle that falls in. You know, Neil Donald Walsh has a, a saying called, you know, a saying that says, you know, you are not your story. Um, and for me, I think that the everything that happened to us in the past, we can control two things about it. We can't control the fact that it happened because it happened, um, but we can control you know, how we perceive to look at it. Because for everything that's happened that we perceive to be bad, there is something good, some lesson, some experience, something that's come out of it that's going to help us moving forward. Uh, and the other thing we have control over is how long we allow it to, to affect us moving forward. Mm, that's so true. So very true. 
So you've mentioned uh, some processes that you've used um, throughout your life. Do you detail these in the book? What What are some some of the things that people can, if they if they can identify with what they're hearing here in the, in the show, um, what are some of the things that they can do to help shift them out of that? Well, in in the book, it took me um, you know so long in my life to be willing to um, stand up, stand out, and stand for <clears throat> what I believe, and. Um, you know that, as you know, that takes a lot of courage to step out there and 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 allow your raw data uh, to be revealed. And especially when you come from a background of it's not okay to be different. Um, but having said that, once I decided to write the book, I really wanted the book to offer depth. You know, not just one more cliche after another or bumper sticker truth. I love those kind of things. I love sound bites. They have helped me a lot. But I wanted to really share with the reader some depth of how we think about things today, how we look at them, and how in some ways, even though we know more than we've ever known, we don't seem to be doing different or better than we ought to be you know, with all the knowledge that we have. So, for example, you know, when we look at something as pronounced in our lives called fear, I can ask, you can ask your listening audience or I can ask a live audience, you know, how many of you right now are being stopped about doing something because of fear? And 98, 90% of the people will raise their hand. The other 1% just weren't paying attention, <laughs> you know? And so... We talk a lot about fear. We, we talk about the intellectual reasons of fear, and yet we still seem to have a lot of it, or it keeps us, we die a little, because we're not moving forward. Some people, a lot of people just fear the unknown. You know, they'd rather buy a pool or a new house in a bad marriage than to face the unknown, right? And so in the book, I talk about you cannot think away fear. You know, you can't intellectualize it away, otherwise we wouldn't be afraid. Because more often than not, we know there's absolutely no reason to be. We have two natural fears. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Um, and people wonder why babies get so upset in an airplane, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, so when we look at fear, and we look at that element of it, we have to go to a place of feeling to really address it. And so, for example, I was doing a house blessing with a family that had a nine-year-old little girl, and she had an end table by her bed, and it had these sacred stones on it, and she wanted me to see it, and she said that they were there because at night she sees these images and that she's really afraid and she's scared and so I said you know what kind of images are they and she said well I just don't know but I they make me feel afraid and so I went on to talk to her and find out what she really liked and enjoyed and she said that she loved painting and that she wanted to grow up to be an artist and so I said to her, well, haven't, have you ever thought about that maybe the images you're seeing at night when you're quiet are images that you're supposed to draw? And she said, I never thought about it that way. 
and that was um, close to a year ago. And I was asking her mom uh, just this past week, is she still okay with that? And she said it that once she held it in a different way, she's never looked back. She's moved forward, and she's not afraid. But you know, many people address that as saying. Well, you're a big girl now, you know, or what do you mean you're afraid? There's no reason to be afraid. You have locks on your windows or whatever without really sitting with it and really understanding what her true feelings of concern were. So I talk about that in depth related to fear and also give a process that is uh, an old ancient technique that once you do it, it can help you. You'll still have moments that you're afraid, but they won't. That fear won't stop you in your tracks. Yeah, you know, a friend of mine um, uses the acronym that fear is uh, forgetting that everything is all right. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful one. That's a beautiful one. Yeah. I love that. So, Temple, we've actually run out of time, um, and uh, I, I want to. Uh, can you tell people if they want to, you know, get hold of your book or want to work with you or connect with you? Where can we send them to do that? Absolutely, it's my website, templehaze.com. H-A-Y-E-S, templehaze.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for the work that you do, for the message that you have, and for being here on the show today. It's been an awesome pleasure being able to chat to you. Uh, mine as well. Thank you so much. Namaste. Thank you. Now, guys, I encourage you to share this video. You can do that by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons on this page. Um, make sure that you leave your email if you haven't done so already so we can send you the Manifesting with the Masters video e-course. It's actually valued at $87 and I'd love to send it to you for free. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously and love without limits. We'll see you soon.